All right, well, today we're going to begin a three-week series called The Books with the hashtag on it, living with eternity in mind. Now, I got to tell you, the, the inspiration for this series came out of a funeral sermon that I wrote for Miss Babs Danenberg earlier this year. Miss Babs was a dear woman of God. She was a big part of our Hope Fellowship family here. And her life was spent, a large portion of it, she was a librarian. And even after she retired, she went on to, 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 to volunteer in all kinds of places where there were books or libraries. And so I entitled her eulogy, The Books in Bab's Life. And what I did is I talked about the three most important books in her life, three important books that ended up shaping her eternity. I want to talk to you about those very same three books in this series because those very books will also shape your eternity as well. Now, two of these books are in heaven right now as we speak, and so you won't be able to see them or read them until you get to standing before God one day face to face. But one of them you can read in this world right now. You can read it. While all three books belong to God, only two of them are authored by God. One of them is being authored by you right now as you live out your life in this world. All three of these books will define your eternity, where you will spend it, and how you will spend it. And, And if that's true, it's very important that you and I be aware of these books. Because we need to be ready for that day we too will leave this life and step into eternity like Miss Bab Standenberg did. You say, well, what are these three very important books? Let me just share, you, share them with you right off the top here. Book number one is the Lamb's Book of Life. And we're going to talk about that today in this message. Book number two that we're going to talk about next time is the Book of You. Every single thing that you do in this life, your entire life, from birth to death, is being written down in a book. So think about this. Each of us has a book in heaven with our name on it, and and every word, every action, every thought, every motive of your heart, your entire life is being written down in that book book. And one day God is going to judge you based on what's written in that book. Isn't that a sobering thought? We'll talk about the book of you next time and how it plays into shaping your eternity. You don't want to miss that sermon. Book number three is the book that you're most familiar with. It's the Bible. It's a gift from God given to help prepare us for eternity. It's the study guide, if you will, to help you pass the final exam. See, a lot of us don't think about the Bible this way. A lot of us say, we think about the Bible as, well, what can I get out of the Bible for this life? And how can I get God to bless me in this life? And I'm not saying that you should look into the Bible for this life, but the Bible primarily is a book to help you prepare for eternity. That's what it is. And when you begin to understand that, it begins to, 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 to change the way you think about how you live your life and how you read your Bible. Because everyone who ever lived will one day stand before God in judgment. 
And get this, some will pass and some will fail. Some will pass by the skin of their teeth. You pass, but you pass by the skin of your teeth. Others will pass with flying colors. Some will experience eternal life and some will experience eternal death. Some will be rewarded and some will not. Some will hear from the lips of Jesus, well done, good and faithful servant, and some will not. It all comes down to the books. So let's talk about them one by one. Starting today with the Lamb's Book of Life. This particular book is a one-of-a-kind book. In fact, I would argue that it's the most, and in fact, not argue, it is, the most important book in existence. And it contains the names of all the people who will spend eternity in heaven with God. And here's what you have to understand about this book. You can't purchase your way into this book. You can't do enough good works to get your name in this book. Religious practice is as important as it is to our relationship with God. will never secure your name in this book. No amount of worldly fame, wealth, or accomplishment, or popularity, all that stuff is worthless to secure your name in this book. The only ink this book acknowledges is the blood of Jesus Christ. Only Jesus can secure your name in this book. If your name is written in this book, here's what it means. It means rejoice. Because if your book is in, if your name is in that book, it means all your sins have been forgiven, past, present, and future. It means God is your father and he will walk with you through this life. And when it's time for you to leave this life, he will escort you from this life into his presence to be with him for all of eternity where you will spend eternity in a place where there is no more pain or tears or sorrow or the curse of sin or death and certainly no more devil for all of eternity. Doesn't that sound good? And forever you will worship and serve God's created purposes for your life for eternity. That's a thought some of you need to, to let down sink in your mind. When we think about God, what's my purpose in life? Do you understand part of your purpose in your existence isn't, it, for your existence isn't just for this life, it's for eternity. God's got plans for you for all of eternity and you need to get there to fulfill those plans. If your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, listen, being with God is gonna be an incredible place of love and joy and peace like you never imagined. No eye has seen, no ear has heard what God has prepared for those that are his. Forever, you will rejoice that your name was written in the Lamb's book of life. But if your name is not written in this book, when you die, it's gonna be a different story. You will be damned to eternal death with the devil and his angels and what the Bible calls the lake of fire. It's a place of eternal punishment where there will be pain and weeping and great anguish for all of eternity. Those there will be separated from God's presence forever, never to get out. People there will long to get one more gospel invitation, but it will never be given to them. 
And as the ages roll by, there will be great turmoil that they had an opportunity in this life for their name to be in the Lamb's book of life, but they rejected the invitation. So here's the question that I ask you, and I will ask you all throughout this sermon this morning. Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? It's the most important question that you will ever be asked. Now, to help you better understand the Lamb's book of life, I want to walk you through what the Bible has to say about it. There are four things that you need to know that the Bible reveals to us about this very important book. Here's the first thing. First thing you need to know about is the reality of the Lamb's book of life. It's a reality. You say, what do you mean by that? It's a real book. It's not a metaphor about some other spiritual principle. It's not some kind of symbolic revelation type of thing. It is a very real book. Let me take you to Revelation chapter 20. That's where we're going to start. Here's the scene. All those who have ever lived, whose names were not written in the Lamb's book of life, are now standing before God to be judged. That's about, that's, that's what's about to go down. Let's go ahead and read it. God gave the apostle John a glimpse of this scene and he wrote it down for us so that we can know what it's going to be like. Watch this. John writes, then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small. You understand, even when you die from this life, you still live on somewhere. Everybody lives on somewhere for eternity. Yes. Death is never the end. It's, it's a transition into the next phase of eternity. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. Now watch this. And books were opened. Yes. Those are the books of how each person lived their life. One book for every person. So there are lots and lots of books. There are lots and lots of people, countless books, countless people standing before the great white throne. And one by one, each person is going to get their turn to stand before God in judgment. And the books will say how they live their life. The book of them will be read. That's about that's what's about to happen. And we're told this, look at this. Another book was opened. So understand, you got books. Now another book was opened, which is the book of life. That's the Lamb's book of life. Throughout the Bible, when you see the book of life and the Lamb's book of life, we're talking about the very same book. Some people think they're different books. They are not different books. It's the same book. So at this judgment there are books lots of them and then there is the one book the lamb's book of life now let's keep reading it said the judge the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books the sea gave up the dead that were in it and death and hades talking about hell gave up the dead that were in them and each person was judged according to what they had done otherwise how they lived their life then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second 
death. It's eternal death. That's why it calls it the second death. What's the first death? Physical death. Jesus said, don't be afraid of physical death. Be afraid of second death, which is spiritual death. Now watch this. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Now, some of you are saying, well, the pastor, this is a revelation. Can you take revelation seriously? This is not just a revelation deal. This is all throughout the Bible. Let me take you on a tour because I, I want you to understand that this book is a reality. It's not just something found in Revelation. The first time it's mentioned is back in the book of Exodus in the time of Moses. And here's the scene. Moses went up on Mount Sinai and God is giving him the Ten Commandments for his people. And when Moses comes down from the mountain, he finds that the people have sinned greatly against God and they have made a golden calf that they are now worshiping in place of God. And we read this in Exodus chapter 32, verse 31. So Moses went back to the Lord and said, oh, what a great sin these people have committed. They have made themselves gods of gold. But now, please forgive their sin. But if not, then blot me out of the book you have written. Moses is interceding for the people. And if you understand it in biblical context, context, Moses here is a picture of what Jesus does for us when it comes to a holy God and our sin. Moses is interceding on behalf of the children of Israel because of their sin, just as Jesus intercedes for us before God because of our sin. Now, verse 33, the Lord replied to Moses, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. So we learned something very important in this first mention of this book in Scripture. What stops a person's name from being in that book? Are you ready for this? Sin. Everybody say sin. Sin. Look to your neighbor and say sin. Sin. Our sin problem has to be cleared up if our name is going to end up in that book. In Psalm 69... And how many of you love the Psalms? They're real prayers of real people that are frustrated. And David is so at his wit's end. He's so frustrated with his enemies. I don't know if you've ever prayed a prayer like this against your enemies, but we see it here with David. Look what David prays. Charge them with crime upon crime. Do not let them share in your salvation. May they be blotted out of the book of life and not be listed with the righteous. Daniel, in Daniel chapter 12, God gives Daniel a vision of how the world, this world is going to end and how God is going to usher in eternity. And he says this, and Daniel writes this in Daniel chapter 12, verse 1 through 2. It says, at that time, Michael, Michael's an angel of God. Watch this. The great prince who protects your people will arise. There will be a time of distress. Such has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. So what's that talking about? The Bible is very clear that right before Jesus comes back at the end of time, there's going to be a very terrible seven-year period of time where all hell is going to break loose on this earth. It's going to be a time like no other. You think there have been bad times in the world's history. This is going to be the worst of the worst. Now watch this. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found, watch this, written in the book will be delivered. 
We're talking about the rapture there. God's not going to let his people go through that tribulation. You say, what's the rapture? Come back in the fall. We're going to do a whole series on the end times. I promise you. Now watch this. Goes on to say this. Unfolding the scene of how the end times works out. Watch this. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake. Some to everlasting life. Others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those whose names are written in the book of life will have everlasting life. Those whose names are not written in the book of life will have everlasting contempt. You go to Malachi, Malachi chapter 3, very prophetic passage that, that, that gets into what's going to happen at the end of time once again. I mean, here it goes. Malachi says, verse 16, chapter 3, then those who feared the Lord talked with each other and the Lord listened and heard. Watch this. A scroll of remembrance was written. You see that? It's the book of life. In his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. Now here's where we get into what's going to happen in the future. On the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty, they will be my treasured possession. Talking about those in the book, in the scroll of remembrance. I will spare them just as the father has compassion and spares his son who serves him. And you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, there's going to be two groups of people, only two. Between those who serve God and those who do not. Very next verse, chapter 4. Surely the day is coming. It will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and evildoer will be stubble. And the day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. Otherwise, judgment is coming. Not a root or a branch will be left to them, but for you who revere my name. Watch this, prophetic reference to Jesus. The son of righteousness will rise, watch this, with healing in his wings. That's talking about the coming of Jesus. And for those that are his, for those who have their names in the scroll, in the book, you will go out and frolic like well-fed calves. See, that's kind of weird. Not really, but understand the imagery. You ever seen a well-fed calf? They don't come out of there like an old calf. They come out of there excited. What the writer is saying is if your name is written in the book, you will end up celebrating greatly for all of eternity. But if your name is not written in the book of life, you will burn in the furnace forever. In the place of eternal righteous judgment, by the way, alongside the devil and his angels. But you know what Jesus says? The lake of fire was never created for people. It was created for devil, the devil and his angels. But those who don't find salvation in Jesus are going to end up there because it's the righteous place of God's judgment. You say, well, did Jesus say anything about the Lamb's book of life? In Luke chapter 10, Jesus empowered his followers to go out and do ministry. And so he sends them out two by two and they come back. And when they return, it says this, Luke 10, 18, the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the powers of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Now watch this, important statement. However, do not rejoice that the spirits 
submit to you. The thing you really need to be rejoicing about is this, but the rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Written in heaven where? In the Lamb's book of life. Jesus says the greatest thing to rejoice about in this life isn't that you get the promotion or the raise, not that you can't, can't rejoice about that, but that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Paul writes this in Philippians chapter 4. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with, plead with Yodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side for the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are what? In the book of life. You know what's going on here? You got two women that are feuding in the church, and Paul's saying you might as well learn to get along now because you're going to spend eternity together. So let's get this thing taken care of. Help these ladies to get it right. Why? Because they're going to spend eternity in heaven with God together because their names are what? Written in the book of life. Now you see this book mentioned all throughout the book of Revelation. And in Revelation chapter 5, it says this, the one who is victorious, talking about in Jesus, will like them be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life but will acknowledge the, that name before my Father and his angels. So if your name is in the book of life, Jesus will confess you before the Father. Yeah. If your name is not in the book of life, Jesus will not confess your name before the Father. Revelation chapter 13, verse 8, it says, all inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast. You say, who's that? Well, it's talking about a one world ruler at the end of time. Another sermon for the fall. Everybody just put that there. Amen. We'll get back to that. Just, just follow me here. All the inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names have not been written in the, now it's calling it the Lamb's book of life. The Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. Revelation 17, 8, the inhabitants of the earth whose names have not been, once again, written in the Lamb's book of life from the creation of the world will be astonished when they see the beast because it once, it, it, it once was, now is not, and yet will come. Another sermon for another time, but I want you to see all these places where it's mentioned. And then when you get to the very end, we've already read Revelation chapter 20, but when you get to the very last part of the Bible, God has now created a new heavens and new earth. No more curse of sin, no more devil, no more demons. They've all been thrown into the lake of fire. And God, Jesus says this about those who will be in the new heaven and new earth. Look at this. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are what? Written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You say, well, wait a minute, Pastor. Does that mean if, that you, that if you have ever sinned or done something shameful that you won't be Jesus, with Jesus for eternity? No. What it means is if your sins have not been forgiven, if you have not been made pure through Jesus before you get to the judgment, you won't spend eternity with God in the new heavens and new earth because nothing that has impurity can ever enter into that place. This 
is why you must have your name written in the Lamb's book of life. So what I want you to understand is 12 times in the Bible, the Lamb's book of life is referred to or mentioned four times in the Old Testament, eight times in the New Testament, six times in Revelation. And I say all that to say this, there is a book called the Lamb's book of life. It is real. It is a reality. And the question is, is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? Because it's a reality. Let's now talk about the ruler over the Lamb's book of life. I want you to understand that the President of the United States does not rule over this book. The Democrats and Republicans do not call shots when it comes to this book. The Supreme Court will not be making decisions, nor will CNN or Fox News. I say that kind of tongue-in-cheek to say there are too many Christians looking for their salvation in the world and not Jesus. Nor will your mama or your grandma roll over this book. Nor does any pastor or priest. Do you understand? I can't get your name in that book. My job is to lead you to the one that can. Jesus rules over this book. That's why the book of life is eventually referred to as the Lamb's book of life because it's his book. It belongs to him. Once again, Revelation 13, 8, all inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life. So once again, whose book is it? It's the Lamb's book. It belongs to him. And why does it belong to him? Because, watch this, he is the Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. Otherwise, God knew he was going to have to sacrifice Jesus. He knew what we were going to do with our freedom. It's talking about the lamb being slain. It's talking about his death on the cross to pay for our sins with his innocent shed blood. This is why the book belongs to him. He is the one who determines whose name gets written in that book. And only the ones that have found forgiveness through him will be in that book. This is why it says in 1 Peter chapter 1 about this, about those who have found forgiveness for their sin in Jesus. It says, for you know, 1 Peter 1, 18, for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from your empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, talking about your sin. But how you were redeemed? With the precious blood of Christ. What does it say? A A lamb. lamb without blemish or defect because it's the it's his book because it's a book that belongs to jesus he will sit in judgment one day and separate the people who will spend eternity with him and the people who will not all based on the book of life jesus put it this way in matthew chapter 25 and i want you to see this once again, the Bible's so full of, uh, this is not figurative language. I get so frustrated with some people. The Bible's so clear. This is what's going to happen at the end of time. When the Son of Man comes, talking about coming the second time, to finally set the world straight. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, the first time he came as a humble servant to die on a cross, he's coming in his full glory next time. King of kings and Lord of lords. When he comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne.
throne. We read about a throne in Revelation 20, a great white throne, am I right? And watch this, all the nations, by the way, this is the words of Jesus, all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate. Everybody say separate. Separate. Please understand there will be a separation. Please don't believe people say, well, everybody dies, they go to heaven. That's not true. There's going to be a separation. Jesus himself says, I'm going to separate them. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. He will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. There will be a separation and Jesus himself will do the separating. And those whose names are in his book will go into eternal life. And those whose names are not in his book will go into eternal damnation. He's the ruler over the book of life. So listen to me for a second. It's his book. Mohammed cannot get your name in that book. Buddha cannot get your name in that book. Yo mama cannot get your name in that book. I can't get your name in that book. But I know the one who can. And his name is Jesus. Jesus can put it there. He's the ruler. Once again, here's the question that I have for you. Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? We've talked about the reality. We've talked about the ruler of it. Let's talk about the reason it's referred to as the Lamb's book of life. John the Baptist, in John chapter 1, if you're not familiar with John the Baptist, he was kind of like the last of the Old Testament prophets, the one the Bible predicted would come to prepare the way for Jesus. And he's out preaching in the wilderness one day. People are coming to hear him preach. He's baptizing people to get their life turned around. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes walking down the road. And when John the Baptist sees Jesus, he says this in front of the whole crowd. He says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. What did he call him? The what? The Lamb of God. Now here's the question. Why? Why is Jesus called the Lamb of God? I mean, what does this have to do with sin? What, What does the Lamb have to do with sin and the blood of Jesus and forgiveness and my eternity? I don't understand how this all goes together. Well, God did not leave it to our imagination. It's a very easy puzzle to put together. In fact, it's very clear because he put a picture for us in the Old Testament so that we could properly understand why we all need Jesus in our life to have eternal life. Listen, do you understand God gave you a picture, not an equation? He didn't give you a complicated equation. He says, let me give you a picture because here's the simplicity of why you need a Savior in your life. That picture for us in the Old Testament is found in the book of Exodus. When you come to the beginning of the Old Testament book of Exodus, you find out that the Hebrew people have been a nation of slaves 
within the nation of Egypt for 400 years now. And it's very bitter. And they cry out to God for deliverance. And God hears their cry. And he raises up a man by the name of Moses to lead them out of slavery in Egypt. And so Moses goes to Pharaoh one day and says, hey, I'm going to tell you something. Our God says, let my people go. And Pharaoh goes, who who are you? No way. And so God begins to send plagues on the land of Egypt to loosen Pharaoh's grip on his people. And he sends at first nine plagues. He turns the Nile to blood. The land's overrun by frogs, gnats, flies. There's a mass death of livestock. Boils come on people's skin. There's a huge hailstorm. There's locusts that cover the land and devour the crops. And then the ninth plague is darkness comes over the entire land. Plague after plague. And Pharaoh says, nope, I'm not going to let him go. By the way, God is actually by these plagues mocking their false gods that they worshiped. That's why God sent these plagues the way he did. After nine miserable plagues, Pharaoh still doesn't want to set the Hebrew children free. And so God tells Moses this 10th plague, this last one will give them freedom. And this is God's plan. On a specific night that I tell you, my judgment, God says, is going to pass over the land of Egypt. And all the firstborn from animals to people are going to die when my my judgment passes over the land. But God has a plan for his people to keep them safe from his judgment. Let's go ahead and look at it. Exodus chapter 12, verse 1 through 13. It says, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, This month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each man is to take a lamb. Uh Uh-oh, there it is. For his family, one for each household. The animal you choose must be year-old males without what? Defect. They must be the perfect, the one you pick must be the most perfect one you have in your flock. And you may take them from the sheep or the goats. You say, why are there goats involved? Because God makes provision for all people. Not some of the poor didn't have sheep because they were more expensive. They only had goats. Aren't you thankful God makes provision for all people? Now watch this. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. On that night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I told you God was mocking their gods with those plagues. I am the Lord. Now watch this. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. That blood that you put on the door frames of your home. And when I see the blood, are you ready for this? I will pass over you. Oh, did you get that? When my judgment sweeps over the land and when I judgment comes up to you and if I see the blood that you applied by faith on the doorpost of your homes, my judgment will pass over you. My judgment will pass over you. You will not die. My judgment will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. Sure enough, that's what happens. Pharaoh finally says, get out of here. And they're delivered from slavery in Egypt. And from that time on, the Jews annually celebrated this event, calling it Passover, to remember how God delivered them from slavery in Egypt. 
Do you understand? This is what Jesus and his disciples were doing in celebrating in the upper room that we now call the Last Supper. They were commemorating Passover. And that's when Jesus started something new and revealed to them a mystery that a lot of people didn't understand. That was just a picture of a greater reality to come. And Jesus took the traditional elements of the bread and the wine that were used to celebrate Passover. And then he says, let me tell you what these really signify, because they were a picture of what I'm about to do for you tomorrow. You guys don't get it, but you will get it after it happens. You see, Passover foreshadowed what Jesus came to do for mankind, just as Passover, just with Passover, an innocent lamb had to be slain. Jesus, the innocent son of God, had to be slain. Just as the innocent lamb shed blood would protect them from God's judgment, the innocent blood of Jesus applied to our life protects us from God's judgment of sin. Passover was a picture of God saving us from our sin through Jesus. It's through the innocent blood of Jesus applied into our life by faith that we are spared, that we are forgiven that we are protected from a holy God that must judge sin because he's holy. It's by the blood of Jesus that our names get written in the Lamb's book of life. That's why it says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, for Christ, watch this, our what? Our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. That's why Jesus said this when he started the practice. We now call communion. Look at it. While they were eating, Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body. Then he took a cup. When he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. That's why we remember That's what we remember when we take communion. That's what we celebrate. Jesus was the innocent lamb slain for our sins so that we could be protected and kept safe from God's holy judgment for sin. So I want to say this again. Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? I know this is an old-fashioned type of sermon this morning, right? This is important stuff, though. That leads us to the last thing I want to share with you, and that's the requirement for the Lamb's Book of Life. Real quick, here's, here's the question. We've already alluded to it, but I want to kind of, kind of get down to it so, so you have no mistake about it. The question is, how do I get my name in that book? Are you ready for the answer? Jesus must forgive me of my sins. Acts chapter 4, verse 11, Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Otherwise, if you don't have Jesus as the foundation of your salvation, you're not going to get to heaven. And a lot of people reject that cornerstone. And it says this, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to man by which we must be saved. This is why Jesus said, I'm the way, truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 1 John chapter 2, verse 12, watch this. I am writing to you who are God's children because your sins have been forgiven through who? Jesus. Jesus. Is your name 
written in the Lamb's book of life? Have you ever had your sins forgiven through Jesus? If you haven't, let me just give you quickly the, the ABCs of, found it, of salvation. It's, you, you, it's a gift you receive. It's not something you earn. It's a gift out of God's love that he wants to give you that you receive by faith. So let me give you the ABCs of salvation real quick. Admit, I am a sinner, number one. This is really big because here's what I know. There are going to be some people that don't make it to heaven who believe that Jesus was really the son of God, but they still didn't make it. You know why? Because they never understood their need for him. And the reason why repentance is important to salvation is how could you put your faith in a savior to save you if you don't know you're a sinner? This is why Jesus said this in Luke chapter 13, verse 3, I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. It starts with the idea that I'm a sinner. I recognize that. I've been called out. This is what keeps a lot of people from Jesus. Don't tell me I'm a sinner. I'm a good person. You know what the Bible says? All your good works are but filthy rags in your effort to get into eternity. Admit that I'm a sinner. Number two, believe in Jesus. John chapter 3, verse 36. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. Do you understand what that's telling us? When Jesus comes to try to get in somebody's life, he's not trying to beat them up, he's trying to pick them up. Without Jesus, do you know what you are in line for? Wrath. You are in the crosshairs of God's judgment. And Jesus says, let me in because I want that to pass over you. Because I love you so much, I'm going to spend eternity with you. And then the last part is confess Jesus as Lord. Romans 10, verse 9 through 10. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus, the mouth, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And so do you understand? You are saved the same way that the children of Israel were freed from slavery in Egypt. It's by faith. All they did is they took the blood of the lamb and by faith they applied it to the doorpost of their home. And when God saw it there, his judgment passed over. And we don't have to go and kill a slaughter a lamb like they did because Jesus was the ultimate lamb. And when we receive that gift, God applies his blood to all the heart, uh, onto our heart. And when we see him in eternity one day, and he looks at us and he says, no, 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 my judgment has to pass over because I see the blood of my son on their heart that they received by faith. Is your name written in the lamb's book of life. Would you bow your heads, every head bowed and every eye closed. I don't know if you've ever put your faith in Jesus. You, you, you've kind of been like, I want to learn about Jesus and I believe that Jesus is real. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin? Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? If you haven't, it's not. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you'd like to put your faith in Jesus. you'd like to have your name in that book, I'm going to lead you in a prayer of faith. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here this morning, you've never given your life to Jesus, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm not going to ask you to come forward, but I do want to pray with you. If that's you, nobody looking around, say, Pastor, pray for me. Raise your hand. Say, that's me. See those hands. See those hands. 
See that hand. See that hand. See that hand. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Listen, I'm just this is not some kind of written out prayer that's been passed around. It's just a prayer that I'm going to pray from my heart to God. And would you make it from your heart to God because salvation that you receive by faith. And so this is a prayer of us putting our faith in Jesus. And if you're a Christian and you've already put your faith in Jesus, would you do us the honor of joining those that are getting their names in the Lamb's Book of Life right now? Pray with us. So would you pray with me? Dear God, I confess that I'm a sinner and I need salvation. I believe that you sent your one and only son to die for my sins so that I could be forgiven and have eternal life in you forever. I confess that I'm a sinner. I ask you to forgive me for my sins. I ask you to come into my life and not only be my savior, but be my Lord from this day forward. Help me throughout the rest of this life to serve you with all my heart, all my mind, all my soul, and all my strength. Thank you for saving me. In the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Now listen, do you understand? Listen, this is... This is talked about the reality of this book. Do you understand there are people in this service right now that gave their heart to Jesus. That means right now at this very moment in time, that book was open and there were names being put in there. And the Bible says the angels rejoice in heaven more over this than anything else we do as a church. So would you stand with me? Would you stand for a moment? And we're not only going to give a praise to Jesus for people that have come to know him, but we're going to give praise to Jesus that our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And so let's do it. Let's praise the Lord. Lord, we worship you. Lord, we praise you, Lord, for you are worthy to be praised, Lord. You are wonderful, Lord. Thank you for dying for us. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for your willingness to go to that cross, that both through faith in you, that the judgment of God could pass over and we could be the children of God for all eternity. Lord, we love you and we thank you, Lord. I pray that we would go out of here with a new step, with a new confidence, with a new security in our life, knowing that we're going to be okay no matter what happens in this life because my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. I'm going to ask our prayer partners to come at this time. You gave your heart to Jesus for the very first time. Do, do one of two things. Come up and say hi to us. We'd love to pray over you. Or attached to your bulletin there is the communication card. Just write in there, hey, I gave my life to Jesus. We want to encourage you. Put it in the drop box. If you need prayer for anything, come up here. We'd love to meet with you, pray with you. If you gave your heart to Jesus, come see us as well. God bless you. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you next week.